So welcome back. This morning we started the process of developing mindfulness and stability of mind. So sati and samadhi together as supports for our clear seeing, our insight, our vipassana. And we began working with the breath to strengthen that steadiness and refined attention. So in Most meditation traditions, not only insight, the breath is used as a meditation object because bringing awareness to our physical embodied experience helps us reconnect with the present moment instead of what for many of us is our usual habit of being lost in stories, fantasies, ruminating about the past, (coughs) worrying about the future and so on. And the breath is also a relatively simple experience to pay attention to. So it's a good place to begin training and steadying our mindfulness. And then as the sati and the samadhi both get stronger, we have more capacity to stay with more and more complex, challenging and refined aspects of our experience. So the development of mindfulness, it starts with fairly simple aspects of experience and then it progresses until ultimately nothing is left out. And I want to mention that now because sometimes people who have heard a lot of beginning mindfulness instructions, they can develop the misunderstanding that mindfulness is only about being with the breath and the body. And while it's true that we start there, and we keep coming back there as needed, the overall trajectory of this practice is to be able to be mindful of every aspect of experience, including our thoughts, our emotions, our moods, our mind states, all of our mental activity. So even though we're currently centering our attention on the body and the breath, this doesn't mean that somehow thoughts or mental activity is the enemy. In a few days, once our sati and samadhi is stronger, we're going to be practicing directly with mindfulness of thoughts and emotions and all mental activity. For now, though, I want to start at the beginning and to begin to build a strong foundation of mindfulness of the body, which, as most of you know, is the first of the four establishments of mindfulness in the Satipatthana Sutta. And it begins with mindfulness of the body in the more general way that I've been offering in the instructions so far, where we're developing awareness of the body as a kind of a frame for our attention to help us stay connected. And there's a line in the refrain from the Satipatthana Sutta that says, mindfulness that there is a body is established in one to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and continuous mindfulness. And one abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. So right there is another pithy summary of what this practice is about. That phrase, bare knowledge, sometimes also known as bare awareness, it's pointing to the non judgmental aspect of mindfulness. So we're not adding anything to it. We're just being present without getting caught 
and perhaps our usual habits of reactivity to it. And this basic non-reactivity is emphasized by the second part of the quote about abiding, quote, independent, not clinging to anything in the world. So not clinging is a key aspect of the freedom that all of these teachings are pointing us towards. However, when we sit down and start to pay attention to the body, what often becomes most obvious is how we do cling, cling or resist. And clinging is moving into concepts about our experience, all the assessments, the analysis, the stories, the perceptions, the views, the assumptions, the opinions, the beliefs of all kinds, and how quickly we get lost in those. It sometimes seems that anything is better than simply being present with the immediacy of what's happening in the body. We also start to notice how much of the time we're lost in either the past or the future, caught up in regrets and fantasies and worries and daydreams. But when we pay attention to the body, we're automatically back in the present. Because when do physical sensations happen? Now. Not 30 seconds ago, not three nanoseconds ago. Now, physical sensations are now. For most of us, though, this is a skill that needs to be practiced because we're so much more used to being in our intellects, in our heads. Again, in mainstream culture, we tend to value the intellect above everything. And even the word mindfulness can inadvertently reinforce this. So sometimes people think mindfulness is about thinking about their experience. So in my own practice, it was helpful to hear Gil Fronstall translate it as bodyfulness rather than mindfulness. And you might notice that that shifts your understanding to think of bodyfulness. It tends to ground our awareness in the body, in physical sensations. So the body is a very powerful resource whenever we realize that we've got caught in some kind of mental reactivity. And that's why I've been inviting us to notice, to begin training in recognizing what's happening in the body, what's happening in the heart, what's happening in the mind. Most of us tend to easily get caught up in our mental and emotional experience. And from there, find ourselves getting entangled in what's known as proliferation. Proliferation or papancha, to use the Pali word. So proliferation is the mind's tendency to lose connection with our direct embodied experience and generate a kind of a thought storm of reactivity. And that thought storm then tends to take on a life of its own and spin us out in all kinds of afflictive but totally imaginary scenarios. Anybody recognize that syndrome? Mm ever, or maybe even sometime this morning. (laughs) The Buddha recognized it for a reason, because it is so common. So mindfulness of the body is a very powerful antidote to that tendency. And to get a sense of how that works, I'd like to borrow another analogy from Gil that's been useful in my own practice. 
And he has a way of describing these different aspects of experience in terms of the image of a wheel. So if you think of a wheel actually lying horizontally to begin with, at the center of the wheel at the hub is the body and the breathing. And at the outer rim of the wheel is proliferation, the mental activity that gets caught in spinning out. And the further we get from the hub of the wheel, in other words, the further we get from the body and breathing, the more likely we are to be taken for a ride on that outer rim of spinning out in proliferation. But whenever we recognize that sense of spinning out, right there it can be kind of a mindfulness bell that warns us, hey, wake up, come back to the hub, come back to the center. Because the center of the wheel, the body, feels more stable. The hub feels to be moving more slowly compared to the outer rim, which is the mind spinning out. So coming back to the hub helps us literally get centered again, more steady, more grounded. So this is a key training in what I call body literacy. So this is the first establishment of mindfulness. But just because it's the first establishment of mindfulness doesn't mean it's only for beginners. We can infinitely train in knowing the nuances of our physical experience. So even right now, as you're sitting here, you might notice, if you pay more attention, the body is actually alive with sensations like pressure, hardness, tightness, pulling, warmth or coolness, tension, ease, tingling, itching, throbbing, numbness, and so on. Did you recognize at least one of those? No? So this is a skill. It's a language that we can develop that helps us to get more precision about what's actually happening in the body. And in the Mahasi Sayadaw tradition of Vipassana practice that some of you are familiar with, when meditation students meet with their teachers, they take at least 10 minutes just to describe the physical sensations of the breath, just the breath, in the most refined detail imaginable, every twitch and tingle and pulse and contraction and so on. Now, just by way of reassurance, when we do the individual meetings here, I'm not going to be expecting that level of intensely refined detail. Nevertheless, it's a powerful skill to be able to tune into these more subtle aspects of physical sensations. Another benefit of this is that the body can give us, it's like another whole frequency of information about what's really happening with us. Because as many of you know, the mind can try to convince itself of all kinds of things and distort reality in various ways. But the body, for the most part, doesn't lie. So we can use the body as a reference point to recognize some of those deeper emotional, psychological truths that sometimes the mind tries to hide from itself. And then we can get more clarity about what's actually happening rather than what we wish was true. 
Now, as we engage in this process of knowing the body more carefully, often, particularly at the start of a retreat, when we pay closer attention, what we often notice is how much physical tension we're carrying just from the accumulated stress and stimulation of our ordinary, everyday lives. And that physical tension, it has an effect on our hearts and our minds too. So because the body, the heart, the mind all work together, the more we can bring ease to the body, the easier it will be for the heart and the mind to settle into samadhi, the steadiness and calmness of mind, stability of mind, that is such a powerful resource for our practice. So in this next meditation session, I'm going to offer a body scan just to help tune us into the body in a little bit more detail. And at the same time, to invite any physical tension or tightness or contraction that can be released, to release, or at least to soften a little bit. So notice that I said we're going to invite tension to release. Because this is just the first full day of our retreat, and for most people, it takes time to really arrive here and to let that process of relaxing more deeply be known. We can't force this process to happen. So many of you probably had the experience of being told, just relax, relax. And what does that do? It tends to make us more tense. So instead, I invite you to bring this quality of kind curiosity to the body. And if we do find some tension somewhere, just to see if it might soften just a little. And if it doesn't, then we get to practice softening our mental attitude to the experience. In other words, accepting and allowing. This is how it is right now, and it's okay. Okay, so let's give that a try.